0: Heavenly Father thank you so much for your blessings thank you for the special commission that you've given to us to feed your lambs so please come send your Holy Spirit to be our teacher here this morning for we want to be your helping hands to feed your lambs in Jesus name Amen Well, we're here as part of the evangelism track to find out where we can find evangelism's greatest returns. And so I'm happy you're here because you're in the right place if you want to make your efforts, your time, your resources, your finances go the farthest distance in bringing the most people to Christ for his kingdom. So you're in the right place. I wanted to share with you just a little lesson from a shepherdess. You see, I was raised on a farm with sheep and I had the opportunity to feed many little lambs to raise them by bottle and what a joy. Um, You probably heard last night how I shared that when I feed a little lamb that warm milk that they love to follow me. They learn so quickly to follow me. And one little lamb I wanted to tell you about this morning. Here is my little farm. And this little lamb was named Violet. I love to name him after flowers. Violet loved to follow me, but she was a frail, tiny little lamb. One morning, I awakened. Of course, this little lamb needed to be fed every four hours. So often, it was my job to remember, go out to the barn and feed your little lamb. But it wasn't hard. I loved to go out there. And there I am with the bottle, probably tasted a bit of that milk, too. <laughs> and There's my little lamb, feeding my little lamb and holding them close. Well, here's my barn. I was supposed to go out and feed my little lamb, but first I had to get my chores done in the house. But somehow it crossed my will that morning. I grumbled and complained, stomped and pouted. I didn't want to do my chores. Perhaps you've seen that in children. I didn't have Jesus in my heart, and I was so absorbed in my own way that time passed. Mother sent me to my room to pray, spend time with God, so He could change my heart. I stomped off to my room, flopped on the bed, and pouted for a long time. Finally, I let Jesus get a hold of my heart. I prayed. I claimed a promise from His Word that I could do all things through Christ, who strengthens me, and went to do my chores. Hours had passed. I'd been choosing my own selfish way. And now it hit me. I remembered. Violet. I was supposed to have fed her hours ago, right after my chores. I'd been so absorbed in my own way, I'd forgotten. Violet. My heart began to pound. My stomach turned into knots. Was she okay? She was so frail. She was so tiny. My precious little lamb, I warmed a bottle of milk, put on my boots and hurried to the barn. I rattled the gate as I opened it. I didn't hear her familiar cry. I went inside another pen. I looked over the feeder on the other side where I knew Violet would be eagerly waiting for her bottle of milk wagging her tail. But there she was, laying by the post. She didn't move. I walked over knelt down, placed my hand upon my little lamb, just in time to feel her take her last breath. And my little lamb died because of my selfishness, because of my neglect, because of being so absorbed in my own pursuits. My little lamb had died, and you can only imagine the tears that welled up in my eyes, the sorrow that gripped my heart for days over my selfishness, and then I saw it. That's what happens to Jesus. He sees what our sins do to him. It's like crucifying him afresh, and I said, Lord, help me never to do this to your real lambs. Of course, I learned a very good lesson about choosing my own way with my sheep out in my pasture. Here's little Violet. You can hardly see her, but she is right down here in the corner curled up, and then I thought, choosing my own way, have I in any way left his real lambs, his children, to perish? Have I turned away from the lambs? Because it's easier to work with adults. Less work, you know, simpler, you don't have crafts, you don't have these busy, energetic children. Or perhaps I've just looked for the quickest, easiest way to pull off a program to teach the children. How is it that perhaps I've chosen my own way instead of letting God empower me to give his warm living milk of his word to the children and I want you to know that God has power for each one of us whatever our situation how we find ourselves whatever has been the past that he has power to give us to feed his lambs and to be faithful under shepherds for Jesus our Shepherd of the real little lambs And so today we want to look into how he can impart to us this power, in reaching children. Um, My husband is here, my husband John, and this is our little boy Micaiah. He is a year and a half now, and uh, they're standing there and back. And uh, we work together, night and day it seems, in feeding his lambs ministries. And uh, my parents also, we couldn't do it without their help, they're standing back here and back, mom and dad. And uh, they've been a great support since the Lord placed this vision on my heart when I was about 12 years old. They've supported me all the way. And the Lord has blessed me and given me a husband who has even a stronger passion than I do for feeding his lambs. And I also have a friend visiting. And she's over here in the front in the purple. Her name is Teresa Hargraves. And uh, she has taken hold of the work of feeding his lambs. So you can ask her about her experiences. The work of greatest consequence. We want to seek God's plan for how we can do this work. We might think it's the adult evangelistic meetings, and those are very important. But Jesus said, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Why did he say that? Adults is just a 6% return. Look at the children 32%. It's not exciting. There's someone else who knows this. In fact, a noted Hindu said, as long as the missionaries concerned themselves mainly with work for the adults, we did not worry. We knew that only a few could be changed, but when the missionaries started to work for the children, then we were definitely concerned. So, there's others who realize this. The noted Francis Javier, the Jesuit said, give me the children until they are seven. Anyone may have them afterwards. Work for the children? Many people know it's the work of greatest importance. It is during the first years of a child's life that his mind is most susceptible to impressions, either good or evil. During these years, decided progress is made in either a right direction or a wrong direction. Why not plant the seeds so that when the adult evangelist comes to town, when these children have grown up a little older and they're ready to make these final big decisions, those seeds have been planted? And the Holy Spirit can bring them to fruition. It is still true that children are the most susceptible. They retain the lessons received. So that's why you're here. I probably don't need to convince you of all these things, but these are so encouraging to me that I wanted to share them with you. Taking that little lamb, some of our sheep are very stubborn and very wild, but if I had a hold of their little lamb, do you know what happened to the mother? She followed me. And that's exactly what happens with the adults. Stubborn sheep that don't want to change. But if they see a change in their children and their children are following Jesus, the Good Shepherd, will they want to follow him too? It's a way to reach people. Parents who can be approached in no other way are frequently reached through their children. No other way possible but through their children. And that's our part in evangelism. Roman, the little boy in the dark hair there in the middle, he was coming to our evangelistic meetings night after night. Finally, near the end of the series, the children did a program for the adults, and his mother came for the first time. She came up to the deacon in the church, and she said to him, I know everything you've been teaching here. "Well, really? This is the first time he'd ever seen her face. She said, Roman, my son, he comes home every night, doesn't let me sleep until he's told me the entire Bible message. She says, I know what truths you're presenting. I know they're from the scriptures. I have finally found the truth. I want to follow the word of God. And she took her stand for Christ through her children. Here's the program, 130 children were attending here. So what kind of food is it that we give to the children, to these lambs, that will help them to follow Christ their shepherd what kind of food is this warm milk that we need to give to the children educate the children in the truths of the Word of God which are so essential for these last days and which it is so important for them to understand a great test is coming it will be upon obedience or disobedience to the commandments of God so what kind of truths do we need to be teaching children is it enough just to teach them the life of Christ and the stories of Noah and Jonah and David, Daniel? Those are important and wonderful, but we need to prepare them to stand in the crisis that is just before us. Are we giving them truths so that they are ready to stand? Obedience or disobedience—that'll be a deciding factor. So, what kind of truths do we need to teach them? Do you have an idea? what would be one? Do they need to understand the mark of the beast? Is that important? Is it gonna is it gonna decide life or death eternal life or death? The mark or the seal? Yes. What about the investigative judgment? What about the call out of Babylon? God has a true church. He has a sanctuary. Are these truths essential for children to understand? Are they, or is it? Maybe it's impossible to teach them these things. I mean, prophecies of Daniel, Revelation—they're so hard. Most adults don't understand. How can we think of teaching them to children? How is it? Well, I found this, and encouraged me that it was possible. Those who eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of God will bring from the books of Daniel Revelation truth that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. They will start into action forces that cannot be repressed. The lips of the children will be opened to proclaim the mysteries that have been hidden from the minds of men. Books of Daniel Revelation? Children are going to proclaim these? Well, if they're going to proclaim them, who's going to teach them? You and me. Right? Yes. Here in the center, holding the book, is one of the boys who attended the Prophecy Code seminar. And I'll never forget his family was just very new to the truths of the scripture. He had just learned the subject of the millennium. Pastor, Pastor Batchelor had preached on it. He had heard it in the children's program. And I was in the hall after the program. And down the hallway, it sounded like Pastor Batchelor was really giving someone an enthusiastic presentation, a recap of his whole presentation. I thought to myself, I don't think he's down there. So I looked around the corner. You know what I saw? Here was this boy looking up into his daddy's face, and he was giving the whole presentation of the millennium point by point with the most enthusiasm of an evangelist he had learned the subject he was sharing it with his parents they can understand these truths and they are excited about them and as he was sharing that with his father he was um, there and holding up his uh, little craft book that he had just made and pointing to his craft. Look, Daddy, it's like Satan. He's in chains. He had just made that special page in his craft book. So God doesn't want these little children to perish. He needs us to teach them these truths, to lead them to take their stand to follow Jesus Christ. We want the children to understand the scriptures. How are we going to do this? So I would like to, um, at this time, go over more like an interactive example where parts of it are going to be like, you're the children, but it will give you a concept for some of the principles that the Lord has um, taught me in bringing success and really helping children to grasp these truths. And um, I also would like to, to encourage you, if you think of questions as we go along, don't forget them. We'll have a time for question and answer, so keep track of those um, questions or thoughts that uh, you may have. So, child evangelism—it's a work of greatest consequence, right? Now, the concept is we want to teach children the same truths that the adults learn in evangelistic series. We want to teach them the essential truths for these end times. We want to teach them simply so they can grasp these truths. So how are we going to do it? I'd like to look at five principles and if you're taking notes, you may want to jot these down. These are just five keys Now, oftentimes, um, we have about a 10-day training workshop. I'm trying to condense, condense, condense into our short little hour here together. So I just pulled out five. There are many other keys, but these are five that if you take these home and you begin, with God's help, to implement these in little ways in your work with children, whatever way that may be, you will find the Holy Spirit doing great things. So the first one is, Jesus uplifted throughout the message. We don't just want the children to hear about the mark of the beast. We want them to see Jesus in the message. So, as I give you a little example, just to follow this, a little clip out of a children's program, I'd like you to be watching for examples of how Jesus is uplifted throughout the message. And then I'm going to call on you, this is like an interactive class. I'm gonna call on you at the end to share what you noticed where I brought Jesus to the focus for the children in these evangelistic subjects okay so Jesus uplifted think of examples watch for examples as I share with you number two children repeating the key points children repeat the key points by this I mean so what was his name Noah no that's not really the key point they'll get the name Noah at the end they'll remember the story was about Noah so that's not the type of question we're asking them the type of key point that we want them to respond is so what is Jesus like what does Jesus have power to do now what is Jesus like he's like And you'll find the answer as we go into the Bible presentation. I won't give it away to you. (laughs) All right? So key question, watch for those as we go through. And um, if you need, jot down a couple notes so that you can raise your hand at the end and share an example that you see. How is it done? You may also, as you watch for those questions and you see them coming as I share with you, how is it done? How do you get the children to respond? When you first start doing this with most classes of children, they don't respond. They just sit there. They don't know how to respond to these kind of deeper questions. And so you will, as a teacher, have to do some prodding and some prying and use some techniques to bring the answers out. But I'll tell you, um, if you listen to any of our videos, live programs with children, you will hear them just echoing the answers so excited you can help them begin to repeat what they're learning and it will help it stick so that's a real key how to do this so watch for how it's done and number 3 using the bible in the message this is very important a tremendous key that that solves most discipline problems it keeps the distracted children with you more readily Um, I wouldn't teach a program without it using the Bible in the message how is it done so watch for that take note of when and how it's done how the children are kept together how is trust in the Bible affirmed that's what you want them to go home you don't want them to go home saying Teacher Lisa told me, Mommy, that the Catholic Church is the Antichrist. Oh, that would be scary. I don't want them going home with that message. (laughs) I want them going home with, Mommy, I learned from the Bible that Jesus has given us a Sabbath day. It's Saturday, and He loves us, and He wants us to show our love for Him by keeping the Sabbath. I learned it from the Bible, Mommy. It's right here. And they can show their Mommy and Daddy. That's what you want them to go home saying. Simple language. How is simple language used or not used? You can watch. Maybe I'll use some complicated words. It should be simplified. You can write those down too. Watch for where the language is simplified for the children to understand as well as we go through. Note at least two examples. So see if you can I'll find it. At least two examples where perhaps I say the complicated word and then I simplify it because it's good to acquaint children and build their language um, you know, skills in understanding more difficult words. But we need to simplify them so they understand. And the use of illustrations. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to see that in their, their effective use. How is it made interesting? Different ways. Uh, this is just what I found that helped me to understand that I need to put the Bible in the children's hands so that they can understand the truth from the Bible. That's Fundamentals of Christian Education 384. When every one of our programs, whether it be 10 children or 500 children, we place a Bible in their hands. All right. I'm going to give you a little, little clip now of a children's program. So you're going to be looking for these five things as we go through it. And you're going to be like my class of children, all right? So we can pretend a little bit this morning. Of course, Jesus said that it would be well for all, us all to be like children, right? To enter into the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> so you get a chance to try it out this morning. The welcome. We begin with effective welcome. An effective welcome. Which one is it? Good evening, I'm glad you're here. Did you have a good day today? I did. I had a busy day. Well, we're going to have fun learning some things from our Bibles tonight. Effective, or what about this? Good evening, I'm glad you're here. I've been thinking of a question for you all day long. Have you been ever given a warning? A warning. Mother ever given you a warning? What kind of warning has she given to you? Can you think of one? What has she told you? Hmm. I think of one. Now you be thinking of one. All right. And you can all be thinking of one. You can interact with me as if you're the children, OK? All right. I think of one. How about don't play with matches? Mother ever given you that warning? Yes. Another kind of warning. Can you think of one? Oh, don't touch your outlets. That's what I tell my little boy. Don't stick your fingers in there. No, no. Do you think of any other kind of warning? Don't touch the stove. Who raised their hand? Who was it? I heard it. Yes. Don't touch the stove. Don't touch the hot stove. That's right. How about? Yes. Don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. Good warnings. You listen to those, don't you? They're important to listen to. Well, there's a warning in the Bible, a very important warning. Do you want to find out what it is? We'll find out tonight because we want to know what this important warning is that Jesus gives to us. Then we transition into our songs. We're going to bypass that for now. And we're going to step into our little nature clip, a little nature discovery. I have little lambs at my house. This one is named Rosie. I was just four years old when I raised her by bottle and I loved Rosie. She followed me everywhere. And there, she's in that group of sheep. She's all grown up now, following me everywhere in our pasture when I'd bring food out. She was always at the gate, eager to see me. But we had another sheep. This sheep is right over there. He's our bram. And he was big and strong and his name was Pussy but he didn't act kind and gentle, maybe like your pussycat at home. He had little knobs of little horns on his head and he liked to push around and get his own way. Well, one day, I went out to our pasture and there's Rosie. She grew up, she had her own little baby lambs, but now she was an old sheep. She wasn't as strong as she used to be, but oh, I loved Rosie and she loved me. One day, I went out to our pasture to see Rosie, but she wasn't there. I looked in the barn. I looked behind the barn. I looked in the back of the field. I looked over the hill. I looked everywhere. I couldn't find her. Oh, I felt sick. What if something had happened to her? And then I thought, I better look by the pond. And down over the hill into the pond, I saw Rosie. Then I wanted to cover my eyes. Pussy. THAT PUSHY RAM THAT ALWAYS WANTED TO GET HIS OWN WAY, HE HAD BUTTED HER OVER. SHE FELL INTO POND AND COULDN'T GET OUT. SHE HAD DIED. DO YOU SUPPOSE I WAS REALLY PLEASED WITH THAT PUSHY RAM WITH THOSE LITTLE HORNS ON HIS HEAD? NO, I WASN'T A BIT PLEASED WITH HIM. JESUS HAS GIVEN US A WARNING IN THE BIBLE. A warning about a power that's kind of like that ram that likes to push and get his own way. He doesn't push children closer to Jesus. He pushes them away from Jesus. He doesn't want them to have happy lives. He wants them to be lost. Would you like to find out so that we don't let him push us the wrong way? It would be a good idea, wouldn't it? There's the little pond and Rosie with her little lamb. alright one of the activities that we do is called something in the box but I don't have a box so it's something in the backpack today (laughs) alright we used to have a pretty little box children love guessing this object that's in the box now you get to figure out what's in the backpack I'm gonna give you clues raise your hand if you think you might know what's in here All right, here's a clue. It's hard. It's sometimes white. It's often pointed. Any ideas? Yes. You think it might be a horn? Maybe. What do the rest of you think? Not sure? Well, let's see, here's a few more clues. It's strong. It reminds you of power. Mm. it's often used to get its own way. Any other ideas? What do you think it might be? Alright, keep thinking. Sometimes it's used to push against. Pushes against something else. Oh. This thing. Do you need another clue? The rest of you have any idea what it might be? Anybody else? She thought it might be a horn. I'll give you another clue. It's on an animal's head. (laughs) All right, what do you think it is? It's a horn. She was right. Thank you. If you were the child, I'd make you come up here and get it out of the box, out of our backpack. And you get to show it to everybody. I'll do it for you. (laughs) So here's a horn on animal's head, uses it to push, get its own way now what is a horn used for yes we found it in our field but we have a collection so if you're ever doing a program just call us up (laughs) we collect them so if you ever need a horn (laughs) let us know Um, so what is a horn used for somebody raise your hand tell me what is a horn used for yes To to push against What else is it used for? Yes. Get its own way. way. Good. Anything else? Defense. Defense. Good. So, does it sound like something that children who follow Jesus would do? Would they be pushing to get their own way? Would they be mean to other people? Jesus' children would act that way? Would they? No. Well, today we're going to find out about Two horns, one horn that's very pushy and mean. It's kind of like that ram. He pushes to get his own way. He pushes children away from Jesus. But there is another horn that is very strong. And this horn is a good one. It has power to save you from the other horn that's trying to push you away from Jesus. Sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? Listen carefully and we're gonna find out about these two horns, one that saves and one that destroys. Now we move into our Bible Message Channel. That is a Bible story that throughout that story the subject you are teaching, whether it be Millennium, Mark of the Beast, True Church, whatever topic you're teaching, is woven throughout the story. Doesn't mean you tell the story and then at the end say and so from this story we learned. That's not the way we do it. They will never remember that and so we learned at the end. They'll remember the story. So as you tell the story you must intertwine the message. And it takes a bit of thought and preparation and um A lot of time with the Lord in prayer and study in the beginning but let me assure you it gets easier and easier to do so as you begin thinking that not the lesson at the end but throughout it will get easier for you to do that as you teach children so we call this the Bible message channel it's the Bible story that is the channel through which the truth is intertwined So we'll just do, and I'm going to skip some points and go a little faster than I would with children because of our time constraints here. Well, this is just a little clip of a Bible message for the children. You probably already have a good idea as to where I'm going with this because of our welcome, our something in the box, our nature story. You'll notice they all have the same theme running throughout them. So that... Everything you'll do with the children in that one program is reinforcing the same point because you want them to go home ready to stand in a crisis upon the truth that you've taught them from the Word of God. It was early in the morning, and the favorite thing he liked to do, first thing in the morning, as the sun was coming up, started over the first thing that he liked to do first thing in the morning as the Sun was coming up slip outside his little house and go for a walk there's Jesus as a little boy he would probably take his little lamb he had a special place that he would go and study the scriptures Jesus was learning the truths of the Bible. He didn't want to get tricked in any way by Satan. And so he would sing with the birds as he walked along. And there, beside his little rock, perhaps he laid down his scroll, and he would sit down. He would pray and talk to his Father in heaven. And... He would study. (laughs) And as Jesus is sitting there, and as he is studying from his scroll, he learns. He learns something. There is a horn. I'm just going to check something really quick here. I think something might be set wrong. Okay. Jesus learns as he opens the scriptures he finds in the Bible a Bible verse that shows him something very special about his work. Let's find it in our Bibles. What is it that Jesus discovers? Let's find the answer in Psalm chapter 118 and we are going to read Psalm 118, I'm sorry, Psalm 18, not 118. (laughs) Doesn't look right, right? Psalm chapter 18 and verse 2. See if you can find it in your Bible. And when you get it, put your finger on it because we're going to read it all together. What is the answer? What did Jesus discover as he was studying there under the tree? Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. (gasps) Jesus discovers something. There's lots of names in here of the kind of work he is to do. But he discovers that he is to be the... Be like a... Did you hear it? Did you see it in there? What is he to be like? A horn of our salvation. Jesus discovers he is to be the horn to save us. A strong, powerful horn. That's a good horn. But as Jesus continues to study... He finds out that in the Bible, there's another horn that's working against his power to save. Satan, he doesn't want any children to be saved. And so he's going to use another kind of horn that the Bible talks about. In fact, Jesus studies about it as he reads about a man named Daniel. Back in the Bible, There's a story Jesus studies about Daniel. There he is. What is he going to learn? He wants to discover about this other horn. There comes Daniel into his house. And as Daniel is there sleeping, Jesus finds out Something very important that God tells Daniel, and that's written down in the Bible. An angel comes and reveals to Daniel about (coughs) this power that's going to work against Jesus' power to save. And this angel gives like a dream, like a vision to Daniel, paints a picture before him to help him understand, to help us understand what is the picture that he sees. (coughs) Daniel looks out at what the angel is showing him, and he sees a big body of water. But this water is not just like the water at the ocean that you go to play in. This water means something different. It's like a symbol. Now, a symbol is something that the Bible uses to help us think about something else. So, when we see a symbol, it should remind us about something else that that symbol represents. Now, the Bible tells us what this water represents. Do you want to find the answer? What does this water mean? What does this water symbolize? Let's find the answer in our Bibles. We take the children to Revelation chapter 17, verse 15, and we find out, we read the verse, and the water represents peoples, nations. And what does the water represent? Just a few people or lots of people? Lots of people. So now, when Daniel sees the water, he knows that it means few people. How many people? Lots of people. That's right. Lots of people. But as he watches this water, which means lots of people, he sees that something's happening to this water. There are great big waves and they come up and they crash against each other. Does that sound very friendly and kind and nice? Or does it sound like they're more fighting together? Sounds kind of like fighting, doesn't it? And so, as the great big waves come in, they mean something, too. Are these people getting along and being really kind to each other, really nice, all these people? No. These people are fighting together. Why? Because there's kings, and one king wants to rule, and the other king wants to rule, too, and so they have to send their armies to fight. Who gets to be the one in charge? As Daniel watches, he sees something else that the angel shows him. Oh, Jesus carefully is studying this from his Bible to find out he hasn't seen any kind of horn yet. And as he watches up, up, up out of the water, a beast. Oh, that's a strange looking beast though. Looks kind of like a lion, but it had wings. What does a beast mean? Take them to Daniel chapter seven and you help them find what that beast represents Daniel chapter 7 verse 17 23 read the answer so a beast what does it represent beast represents king or kingdom water means lots of people right water means what lots of people the big waves what do they mean those people are doing fighting and now this beast Is it just a lion that we're talking about? No. What does the beast represent? A king. King. And his kingdom. And this beast, this beast, the lion with wings, represents the kingdom of Babylon that we already learned about that gold head on the image. You see, even on the king of Babylon's throne, there are lions everywhere. But that kingdom passed away, and he sees another one come up, up, up. Out of the sea, as Jesus reads, what's written in the Bible, a bear, he has something in his mouth, three ribs. And this bear, this is the kingdom of Medo-Persia, just like the chest and arms of silver that we learned about. He has three ribs because he conquered Lydia, Babylon, and Egypt so that he could become really strong. But I don't see any horns on that bear, do you? Well, he has ribs. One side is higher than the other because the Persians became higher and stronger than the Medes. But Jesus watches, no horn yet. And then up, 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 out of the sea, really, really, really fast, comes another strange looking beast. What does he look like? Leopard. How many wings does he have? Four wings and a forehead, strange. This is another kingdom, right? Yes, because a beast represents a kingdom. And this kingdom represents belly and thighs of brass. Now, did you see that little race? Let's see, who goes faster, the lion or the leopard? Lion has two wings, leper has four. That's because Alexander the Great conquered the world in just eight short years, really fast. Now, I don't see any horns on him either. He had four generals. They took over because he couldn't conquer his selfish heart. So Alexander died very young. His four generals ruled. That's why there's four heads, but now... What does Daniel see? And Jesus reads about it from his Bible. Up, up, up out of the sea. Ooh. There comes the dreadful and terrible beast stomping everything in his way. Ooh. <gasps> I imagine Jesus' eyes grew wide as he read it from his Bible because now he sees this beast has horns how many of them can you count them the children love to count ten of course right this kingdom represents those same as the legs of iron pagan Rome he's a very strong and what did he do remember those feet ten toes ten horns All the Bible's talking about the same thing. And now, King Herod. He was the king of pagan Rome when Jesus was born. And what did he try to do to baby Jesus? Was he really kind to him? Did he give him a palace to live in? No. Instead, he sent his soldiers to Bethlehem. But Jesus didn't get killed by King Herod, because the angel directed Joseph and Mary to leave quickly in the night. But if you look carefully, you see something else. The Bible talks about it. We can read it from our Bibles. What does he see happening? And so we would read, you're familiar with it, but we would read from Daniel chapter 7, and we would read the verse about the little horn coming up. Daniel chapter seven here. Children read. There's gonna come up another little horn. Ooh, what makes this horn different? He has, and of course, we go through a little bit more detail, but going on because of time, he has the eyes like a man, a mouth, and what does he do? What is this little horn like? Wow. Well, what does he do to people? The Bible says in Daniel chapter 7 that this little horn, he hurts other people. When they choose to follow the Bible, he doesn't want them following Jesus. And so then he hurts them. Does that sound like a little horn that's helping Jesus? Helping children be saved? No. No. this little horn he pushed three of those ten horns out of the way Is that like Jesus being pushy does mother say don't be pushy you ever heard her say that yes remember Joseph and Mary came into Bethlehem it was the night they were tired the innkeeper said I have no room well we are going to have the king of the universe just get out of the way and we will take your room Is that what Joseph and Mary said Were they pushy? Where did they go? Instead, baby Jesus was born in a manger in the stable. Jesus doesn't push his way into people's hearts. But he wants you to let him in so he can save you. But this little horn that Jesus finds out about and Daniel sees in his dream, he's leading people to disobey the Bible. This little horn, he is the ruler of a nation. He's very strong and lots of people, they listen to him. Now, Jesus, he wants to lead us to keep his commandments. But this little horn, what does he do? The Bible tells us and we read the verse from Daniel chapter seven, Verse 25, thinks to change times and laws. He thinks he can change God's law. There it is. God's law, can he change time? God doesn't change. We read the verse from our Bible, Malachi 3, verse 6. I'm the Lord, I change not. We already found out God's commandments don't change. That's why he wrote them in stone. He thinks he can change. time and the law but Jesus he shows us this from the Bible so we aren't tricked so we can be saved now we go through the identifying points I've raced through skipped a bunch but we find out that this all these things we've learned that this is the Roman Catholic Church And of course, Jesus loves many children in the Roman Catholic Church, and many of them are following him. And he wants to teach them all these new things from the Bible so they can follow him even closer. But the Roman Catholic Church, they teach people not to follow the Bible, but Jesus says, come, will you follow me? Jesus wants you to help many children come and follow him. As you learn more from your Bibles and you choose to follow him, Jesus heals. This little horn, the Roman Catholic Church, they persecute people who don't follow and do what they say. They throw them in prison. Jesus forgives our sins. But the little horn, he says, Come bow down and pray to me. I'm the one who has power to forgive. Who do you want to follow? The little horn? Oh, Jesus, Jesus wore a crown of thorns. The little horn power, the Pope, head of the Catholic Church, he wears a beautiful golden tiara on his head. Jesus wore a crown of thorns. Who do you want to follow? Who do you want to obey? There's two ways we can choose. Jesus has power to save us, and I want his power in my heart to save me. What about you? We don't want to be tricked by Satan and we want to help many of our friends and our neighbors to help us help understand the Bible so they can follow Jesus too do you want to follow Jesus and so that's a little cut short uh, overview of Daniel chapter 7 the presentation on the Antichrist for the children then we move right into our memory verse with the children LET'S REPEAT IT TOGETHER. BUT AS MANY AS RECEIVED HIM, TO THEM GAVE HE POWER TO BECOME THE SONS OF GOD. DID YOU HAVE A GOOD LOOK AT IT? IT'S GOING TO GET HARDER. BUT AS MANY AS RECEIVED HIM, TO THEM GAVE HE POWER TO BECOME THE SONS OF GOD. John. 1, 12. Oh, that was way too easy, wasn't it? Let's make it harder. All right. Ready? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. John 1, 12. I think it's still too easy, isn't it? Let's try it even harder. Ready? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. John one twelve. All right. That verse will be on our little Bible craft that we're going to make. I'll break here for just a moment, and then I'll give you a quick overview of kind of the rest of the program just telling you kind of the parts and then um, I wonder what did you see or what did you note that was uh, particularly emphasizing those parts to the children we had Jesus intertwined through the message are there any parts where you particularly noticed that Jesus uplifted in the message. Yes? I like where you did the story about Jesus and how he's spending time with his father and God's word and, and then he wrote the story. Okay, so they see Jesus first. Yes? out in nature, which is God's book. Okay, Jesus out in nature. That really pulls children in because they love animals. They love nature. So you're building some, something children can relate to or they love already. Yes? Someone else? The way you saw Jesus in it. Yes? You also a lot of contrast of, you know, is this like Jesus or is this like something else? First? Okay, the contrast, Jesus throughout. So it wasn't just Jesus at the beginning and then Jesus at the end calling him to a decision, but throughout. Okay? Yes? Okay, the simple form of bringing out the key parts of the prophecy and helping the children to understand and bring, bringing it to light for the children. Yes. Um, what else did we see as we went through that? What about getting children um, to repeat? Did you, did you notice any technique in how that was done? You are a very good class, by the way. <laughs> but did you notice how, what steps, what happened? Yes. Everything builds. Everything builds, especially in the verse, to learn the verse. You made it so easy, even for Yes. Okay. Very good. It was building. The questions kind of built in with it. Were the questions of, were the answers of importance for the children to remember to take home? It wasn't who was the Bible character or where did he go or was he sleeping or was he awake? It wasn't those um, unnecessary details that we asked them about. Yes? I think that what what you did was you related to them, you know, are you, is this something that Jesus' child would do or is this, you know, know, is related to them in their life? Practical. Practical questions about how it would affect their lives. Um, Anything else you noticed about... Technique, how I went about having you participate and answer the questions. There were steps that I was following. I was wondering if you picked up on them. But they flow so smoothly when you implement them that it's not an awkward thing for you or for the children doing it. And basically, it's very basic, um, very simple. You ask a question first. Then you direct them to the answer in the Bible or you say the answer affirmatively from the scriptures because you don't have time to look up 15 or 20 proof texts like you do with adults, not with children. You just have time for maybe four or five key verses to look up with them. So you ask the question, find the answer from the scriptures or you say it affirmatively on the authority of the scriptures to them then you ask the question again because they've forgotten your question. And then, because you asked it, answered it, asked it again, now they can answer it. So four steps. Question, answer. Question again, you give the answer. So question, you give the answer from the Bible. Third, ask the question again, they should be able to answer. If they can't answer, you say the answer, but don't stop there say the answer and then come back and ask the question again. And if they repeat what you just said, great. If they can't, then go back around the circle again until they can give you the answer. And they will take home, able to teach their parents what you have taught to them. Um, Anything else you noticed or any questions you had as we went through? Yes? it's more five to ten focus but we often have three-year-olds and they pick up on a lot but it's not geared that low you can simplify it of course to that age and we've seen very effective we've had parents come to us with a three-year-old and said my three-year-old tells me everything that pastor bachelor preached about in the adult meeting you must be teaching them something and so I know a three-year-old is capable um, but the focus is more your upper kindergarten primary level. Yes. Is it possible to say a 6-month-old baby and just show them the pictures and say it, and it will keep in it? Yes. I'm doing that with our little one. He's 18 months now, and he has about a 20 minute to a half an hour um, devotional time by himself, and I actually just play the DVDs where I'm teaching, and he sees and he loves it. He's just fascinated quiet the whole time. He loves it. Um, so, yeah, little ones. I've had parents tell me, you know, they have their little ones just be able to sit up and they start putting that seed in. And I just read, too, Spirit Prophecy the other day that we should, before they can talk, we need to be planting all these seeds. So, yes. they can sit with those children together exactly and show them what they're reading. look it up read it together in unison is a lot better than singling out one to stand up because you have one stand-up who's a good reader everybody else is playing and goofing off and you've lost the rest of the class um, the reading in unison counting one two three even those who can't read pretending they can read they love being a part of it and uh, if you have a class uh, kindergarten class that you're teaching and you have no readers well then tell them I need your help to read hey I'll help you and have one of them come up front and lead out you whisper in their ear and they repeat and they are learning to read the scriptures and to love the Bible and know the answers are in the scriptures so plant those seeds early very good point Um, yes Mm-hmm. keeping Jesus in focus all the way throughout um, seeing the, the horn in the object lesson from my sheep, seeing physically, you know, touching a horn they can see it here, um, she was saying how that just draws it all together, helps children go home remembering they learned about a horn and uh, that is, in a capsule that is the focus of all the programs that we do, whether it be Sabbath school, evangelistic, anything we do, they're very theme-focused, and so the songs, the welcome, the nature object lesson, the crafts, the Bible message, everything reinforces one key point, so they go home knowing one thing very well and able to repeat it, and that one thing can have a tremendous impact on their own personal lives. Um, We have commitment cards. We call them to decisions to fill out those commitment cards. There's reinforcement activities that we do. I don't have time to go into all those, but there's the crafts where they build a craft page adding to their special Bible book every program. So uh, when we learned about Daniel chapter 7, we have in here uh, the page, Daniel 7. There it is. You have the beast, you have the little horn with a little eye on it. It has the mouth, the changing times, and laws. And so they do that. They're able to go give a Bible study now of what they've just learned. And so every program they come, they add a, another page to their little craft book. It's a tremendous incentive for attendance. During that craft time, we have a time where you as the teachers and helpers will do a personal testimony with the children. And here's ideas that we give you that help you know how to do that. What questions to ask? What kind of testimony to share with the children? Yes. Do you ever find that teaching a lesson like this is frightening to children at that age level? Does it scare them? You know about beasts and yeah, they're kind yeah, of about strange. Like bad born. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we've done this program even with um, well, two to five year olds. We had a whole class. And um, I never experienced that it was scary to them. I wondered that question myself. I think they see a lot more scary stuff today on TV and the cartoons and the terrible dinosaurs and things. This probably is, you know, not really a whole lot different than that. Yet it is God's wholesome, the way he wants to teach us. And we're seeing Jesus throughout it. That's the focus. If we just told them about the little horn and the bad things he does in killing people, they could go home scared. But when you uplift Jesus, he is the power. They need to know there's a battle. There's a great controversy going on. Our children need to know it. But they need to know where their power comes from and where they are safe. And so it all comes about is how, how you present that. But it's very good, very good thought. Yes. Mhm. How would you end it? That's the kind of appeal we leave. You know, the two choices. Do you want to choose Jesus as the horn of your salvation? Do you want his power to save you? He can save you from your naughty heart. He can save you from disobeying Mommy. That's Jesus power. He wants to keep you safe. And he wants to give you his power in your life. Do you want him to be the horn of your salvation? If that's what you want to tell Jesus, let's kneel and pray together. And so I draw it to appeal. Our little 18 month old, when I do appeal at the end of our little worships, he immediately knows. When I ask that appeal question, right down on his knees. He knows by the tone of voice in my question that it's appeal time and it's time to pray. <laughs> uh, this is the craft discussion, helps you make it practical. The applications, we'll just skip some of this. Um, before you go, um, if you they're back here, is that right? If you can exit this way, my friend Teresa has for you a sample DVD, has the first training series on it, first training lesson. It has a sample evangelistic um, Sabbath school program, and Peter Walks on Water, the one I told you about. And it has some other very helpful resources for you. So be sure and and pick that up on your way out and uh, drop off your evaluations there at the table. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org